Do you have a little voice in your head that says, you're not good enough? This is going to fail. People are going to hate you and your work. Or you can't trust anyone. It lights the fear inside your belly, makes you anxious and worried, makes you work harder so you feel valued, sets off the imposter syndrome, convinces you to feel like a victim, or makes you feel all alone at the top. Everyone has internal saboteurs. Everyone. Even the most successful people in the world, including CEOs in the Fortune 500 and the highest level athletes. They especially show up when we're about to do something we've never done before. And people in leadership roles are often in this position. And you know what? It's exhausting to have these internal voices chattering all the time. It takes away your energy and it steals your joy. Author, researcher, and lecturer at Stanford University, Shirzad Shemaine, writes in his book, Positive Intelligence, that only 20% of the population and organizations today reach their full potential. And it's because of these voices in our head. These voices are what many psychologists and therapists call the monsters in your head. They have names like the avoider, controller, stickler, imposter, the judge. Interestingly, many of us have learned to motivate ourselves and others through these negative voices. It's how we learn to push ourselves to get better. And often, this is the way we push others to get better. It's a lie we tell ourselves that in order to improve, we need to keep beating ourselves up. And in order for others to improve, we need to keep beating them up. It's a highly stressful way to motivate. For many people, this is how they've reached the levels of success they have today. According to Shirzad, there are many Fortune 500 CEOs who became successful despite the nasty voices in their head. They're rich, they're successful, and they are still not happy. Because as high on the totem pole as they've gotten already, they still have those negative, nagging voices. And they're still not reaching their highest potential. I've been working with Shirzad for the last six weeks in his class on positive intelligence for coaches. Practicing the steps one takes to change thought patterns I'll give you a simple explanation of the steps to take. It's actually a very simple process. And then I'll let you know when the optimal times are for doing it and where you can go for more information. This is Lucy Gable, integrative leadership coach, author, speaker, and professor at the George Washington University School of Medicine grad program in integrative medicine. And this is my podcast, Leadership life, health, and happiness. In the last podcast, I talked about why you might want to learn how to have a healthy conflict culture, how you can disagree with people in a way that actually strengthens the relationship, strengthens your teams, strengthens your leadership, and strengthens your organization. But despite all the good that it can bring, It wasn't lost on me that you might have listened to that and thought, well, that sounds really stressful. (laughs) 
And you might have imagined your heart rate and blood pressure going up just thinking about having a healthy conflict conversation. Even though I did provide several examples of how you can discuss differences of opinions and thoughts and have successful outcomes. But even if you know how to have the discussions, it really helps if you can train your brain to purposefully reduce the stress and fend off those saboteur thoughts that defeat you before you even tried to have the conversation. It also helps when you can have access to your wise, intuitive, problem-solving, compassionate, and empathetic part of your brain when you have these conversations. And you can learn how to access these areas on command. I'll share how. But first, let's get back to talking about those little monsters in your head that insist on repeating negative thoughts about you, about others, and about situations, and creating more and more stress for you than is actually really necessary. According to Shirzad, all negative thoughts are useful for about one to three seconds. And after that, they're just bringing you down and holding you back. He compares it to holding your hand on a hot stove. Those one to three seconds are useful for telling you something. They could be alerting you to real danger, possible danger, or they may be overreacting saboteurs that you need to take care of. But no matter the case, once you get the useful information that those negative thoughts may be giving you, you'll do best to shut down those voices and shift into a different mindset, a higher level of thinking. Because just like holding your hand on a hot stove to make sure you got the point, repetitive negative thinking is just causing harm. What many don't realize, I didn't either for a long time, is that those low-level fear and stress thoughts that you have on a regular basis, whether they're behind the scenes or in the forefront of your mind, turn on your fight-flight-freeze response. And when you keep entertaining them, what you're doing is holding yourself in the fight-flight-freeze mode. The fight-flight-freeze response is our innate response to danger. When all the brain and body's resources get shifted into survival mode, it's in our DNA. And it's why we as humans have survived all of these years. It's why you can swerve and near miss an accident in your car. It's why you can grab a full cup of coffee while it falls from the table and prevent it from crashing or stop your three-year-old from running across the street. It's your emergency response that's wired in your body, and it works really, really well. And when you're in fight-flight-freeze, here's what's happening physiologically. Blood, oxygen, and nerve energy is directed to your heart and the muscles of your body that you'll need to fight or run. Your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases, and your senses are heightened. In turn, 
energy is shifted away from essential body functions like your digestive system, your reproductive system, your immune system, because it needs to conserve the energy and send it elsewhere. We need those essential body functions for our bodies to thrive. And they don't come back online until we're out of fight, flight, freeze. In my health communities, you'll often hear the opposite of fight, flight, freeze being referred to as the rest and digest mode. Now, your body can handle quick bursts of stress, but low-grade, constant stress is related to chronic disease. It causes long-term damaging inflammation, and it creates age-related illnesses that we're finding may be more stress-related than they are age-related. In your brain, fight-flight-freeze turns your mental focus to doing all things that are required to avoid threats, look for escape, be alert and ready to react. You can't sleep. It hinders your eyesight. It can damage your memories. You'll find it takes away your ability to be empathetic or pay attention to others' needs or subtle cues. It's much more difficult to be curious, to be investigative, and sustain calm, clear, laser-focused attention. If you're an athlete, it'll cause you to miss your mark, choke, fumble. And ultimately, it takes away your joy. But you have more control than you might think. Your fight-flight-freeze response is mostly active in the brainstem, limbic system, and parts of your left brain. According to Shirzad, fMRI studies show that when The personal saboteurs in our brain cause us fear, stress, anger, guilt, shame, insecurity, and other emotions and thoughts that are like that. It lights up those same areas in the brain as the fight, flight, freeze. He's named this group of areas in the brain the saboteur area of your brain. Alternatively, the mid-prefrontal cortex, the anterior insular cortex, and parts of the right brain, which are completely different areas, are what light up when you're feeling positive, empathy, compassion, curiosity, creativity. He calls these areas the sage area of your brain. And the sage area is what accesses your deep wisdom, your sense of greater purpose and meaning. It's where you get your inspiration. It's where intuition, revelations, and breakthroughs come from. Interestingly, the sage is online when you are in your relaxed contemplative states, not when you're into deep thinking or hard analysis. Another interesting point is that fMRI studies show While the saboteur stress areas of the brain are working, the sage areas of the brain are not, and vice versa. In other words, these areas do not work at the same time. It's either one or the other. Now back to the good news. It doesn't matter where your stress is coming from. It doesn't matter if it's coming from yourself or others. You can train your brain 
to reduce your stress reactions and reduce those saboteur thoughts so you can stay out of fight, flight, freeze and in your sage brain more of the time. And this, according to Shirzad, is how we can reach our full potential. How do we train the brain? We used to think that our thoughts, emotions, and reactions to stressful circumstances were not a choice. They were unchangeable, part of our mental DNA, per se. But they are changeable, and it's what we call neuroplasticity. We're finding that the way we react to stressful circumstances and the saboteurs in our mind come from things that we learned and observed and absorbed as very young children. And they were reinforced as we went through life. Of course, there are other stress reactions that we created later in life, but all of these negative thought patterns, fear thoughts, self-doubts and criticisms were created to protect you in some way. If you want to, you can change them. You can purposely unlearn thought patterns that you don't want anymore and learn thoughts and emotions to occur in a way that serves you better. Many of your thought patterns come naturally to you because you practice them regularly. In fMRI studies, thoughts you continue to think literally strengthen the nerve connections in your brain. And that's because you send energy, blood, and oxygen to the nerves in your brain that are active and their myelin sheath, aka their cell walls, get thicker. The connections get stronger and more resilient. But by purposefully practicing other ways of thinking, you can strengthen alternative neural networks and grow your brain in ways that are more beneficial. And meanwhile, by paying less attention to the thoughts you don't want and the thought patterns that don't serve you anymore, you give them less fuel. Their myelin sheaths begin to thin and the nerve pathways begin to weaken. So this is a physical, observable phenomenon in the brain when you change the way you think. Like working out at a gym, the more repetitions of specific thoughts that you do, the stronger those thoughts become in your brain. Just like the more repetitions you do in the gym for specific muscles, the bigger and stronger they become. And the ones you don't pay attention to get weaker. So in short, you can strengthen and grow the sage areas of your brain and weaken and reduce the saboteur areas of your brain. The steps to the training. In one sentence, You get out of your thinking and into your body. When you recognize the saboteur voice or the stress thoughts, simply stop thinking. Don't argue with the thoughts or try to bargain with them or rationalize them. Get out as fast as you can. Then shift your focus onto a pleasant somatic experience. 
Things like your sense of touch, your sense of sight, your sense of sound, taste, or feeling your breath. Focus on the most intricate details of that physical experience and allow yourself to get lost in it for just a little bit. You will feel your stress levels going down. It doesn't need to be a long time, 10 seconds at minimal, but you'll find more time is more beneficial. This is very different from turning to another task and distracting yourself with other thoughts. Being in your body in a pleasant somatic experience turns down the stress mechanisms of fight, flight, freeze. And at the same time, you're weakening those neuroconnections of the habitual, stressful, sabotaging thought patterns by practicing turning away from them. And as you downregulate your stress thoughts and your stress emotions, areas of your brain that are responsible for wisdom and intuition and inspiration start coming online. These are the areas that will enable you to find gifts and opportunities where you previously saw none. It's the same as what happens when you get great ideas, when you're on a walk, looking at and enjoying nature, or when you're in a shower, enjoying your quiet time and the sound and feel of the water. Except now you're training yourself to have these experiences when you want them, not relying on random occurrences. And this practice over time will dramatically improve your performance, your health, and your happiness. Over time, you'll be able to maintain calm, find solutions, create opportunities, and even find joy in circumstances that you may never have thought possible. And you can lower your stress in any situation, no matter where it's coming from. How and when do you do it so it works? You know that you can't shift your thoughts or your mindset just by talking about it or just by reading about it. You have to practice it. And you have to have patience because shifting your mindset really does take time. You probably know this from all those weekend courses that you took or great conferences you went to where you thought things were going to change, but it might have lasted for a day or two. Shirzad's research shows we need to focus on retraining the brain for at least six weeks at 15 minutes a day to grow those neural connections and make this practice something that actually changes your brain. And you don't want to do that 15 minutes all at once like a meditation. You want to practice throughout the day. And the optimal times to practice are one, when we're anticipating a stressful event coming. Two, when we're noticing stress coming on in our bodies. Three, after a stressful situation, it's still helpful. And four, whenever you think about it. For example, while you're walking to a meeting, when you're walking from the car, while you're sipping coffee in the morning, while you're looking out the window at a beautiful view. And this builds your mental self-command 
and strengthens your ability to switch your brain and your thoughts so you can do it easily when you need it most during those really challenging times. Shirzad's research shows that this kind of practice can result in so many benefits, including you living 10 years longer, being three times more creative, teams work 30% better together, and you can have more happiness in life. In leadership, we can get caught in the weeds, overthinking, judging, comparing, and fearing, putting ourselves in high stress mode. And this reduces activity in areas of the brain that feed innovation, creativity, empathy, big picture thinking, and inspiration. But when we relax and move ourselves away from the pressure, out of the weeds of our thoughts, and into the body, we enable parts of our brain to come online that bring us to that higher level of performance, understanding, and problem solving. How much better could you be without unnecessary mental pressure and stress? How much better could your teams be? I will absolutely be including this practice in my upcoming leadership course. To find out more about it, you can go to lucygable.com forward slash leadership program. Now, if you start practicing this on your own, you will start noticing those voices and negative thoughts more than before. And that's good because it means you're going to be able to turn them off better than before instead of just having them nag you on a low volume in your head all day. Like I said in the beginning, it's exhausting. But it's helpful to have people to practice with. It's helpful to have people for accountability and to talk with about your experiences. So if you're doing it on your own and it gets to be too much, remember there are qualified therapists who can help you with thoughts and emotions that might be stronger than you feel you can handle. Most organizations have some kind of compensation for that on their benefits plan at this point. For more information about positive intelligence, of course, see Shirzad Shamane's book and visit his website, positiveintelligence.com. If you like this episode, let me know by giving it a like or five stars. Comment and let me know what this made you think about. I love hearing from you, and I'd love to know what you want to hear about next. This is Lucy Gable. I'll talk to you next time.